Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess Romero. Matt, thanks for taking up the seat today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here as always. Hey, man. Today I titled the show, The World Has Gone Crazy. And why do I say that? I think it's a title from a Fulton Sheen television show. <laughs> I stole it from that. Anything I say usually comes from Fulton Sheen, Matt, as you know. And I say that because we're living in times where everything's upside down. Uh, we've got people who can't even tell the difference between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. We have people saying that men are going to have babies. I mean, <laughs> what? If you would have said that even 25 years ago. If you'd said that 10 years ago. Even 10 years, that. yes. Yeah, it's, it has. We have gone wildly off the rails. There's no question. And what I want to do today is look to the saints. Mm. Look to the holy men and women who have actually, you know, we act like, oh, this is the first time this has happened. Mm-hmm. No, nope. <laughs> this is a repeat, everybody. And I want to look at how the saints handled situations like we're dealing with. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, I've got, you know, today's a big feast day of a saint who was a soldier. And I want to also uh, talk about some, uh, well, Navy, a, a, a priest who, who should be a saint. His cause is up, but to Father Vincent Capano. He, uh, his cause is up, but the Vatican said that because he worked with military, that they didn't think this was a good time to raise him up to the altars. And I'm looking, I'm scratching my head and saying, excuse me, what does that have to do with his sainthood? Mm-hmm. And anyhow, we have a saint today that we're going to talk about who actually was a soldier and much, much more. Matt, um, I wanted to ask if you could do the usual reading for the gospel sure. of the day and then... I know you've got a pretty good explanation of what we call exegesis, explaining what the scripture and how it applies to us. So let's go ahead and read Luke chapter 17, verse 26 to 37. All right. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Similarly, as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. On the day when Lot left Sodom, fire and brimstone rained from the sky to destroy them all. So it will be on the day, of the, sun, uh, on the, day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person who is on the housetop and whose belongings are in the house must not go down to get them. And likewise, a person in the field must not return to what was left behind. Remember the wife of Lot. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses it will save it. I tell you, on that night there will be two people in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. And there will be two women grinding meal together. One will be taken, the other left. They said to him in reply, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the body is, there also the vultures will gather." Thus far, the words of the Holy Gospel. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that last statement is a, I've read a lot of, there's a whole book on that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and yeah, and there, there's, uh, I mean, there's spiritual meanings, there's controversy and stuff. Yes. And I, I'll, I'll put my two cents in. And, Please and, do. And I, I just, I, I, every time I read this reading, I think of um, uh, years and years ago, even before my conversion, I was in a, I think it was Spencer's Gift, right, where they have all the novelty gifts. Yeah. And they had those little badges, little buttons people wear. <clears throat> and one of them said, Jesus is coming, look busy. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> and, but, but, you know, that's, that's the point, though. Yeah. 
Uh, it was meant to be a, a joke, but the fact is that life will be going on as usual the yes. day that Christ returns. Yes. You know, there's not going to be, uh, at least, I mean, as far as the words of Jesus are concerned, there's not going to be any warning. No. You know, uh, and people are going to be going about their everyday tasks indifferent to the demands of the gospel, living as if there's no God like most people do, you know. And they're going to be surprised by his return, just like the people in Noah's day uh, were surprised by the flood, or or the people in Sodom were, were surprised by, you know, the, the fire falling from the sky. Lot's wife, Jesus mentioned specifically because she looked back. He, he, did, he told them, the angel told them, don't look back. And she looked back because her heart was still in Sodom. It was still uh, with her worldly concerns. And, and we know what happened. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, you know, anything that's, uh, well, like Lot's wife, we, we had to abandon uh, the values and the attachments of the world in order to be ready for Christ's return, because his return will happen, yeah. and suddenly, and, and when he comes, there's, there's no second chances, right? There's, right. No, there's, no, uh, there's no rewind button. So uh, some are going to be taken to be with him, some are going to be left behind. Now, uh, this is obviously one of those uh, verses that our separated brethren, some of them, uh, use for the, uh, uh, you know, to, to proof text the so-called rapture, which of course is not part of the Christian tradition. Nope, it's a very modern idea. But uh, the fact of the matter is that we we don't know the time of Christ's return. We do know that he's coming, and that's the context here, is the the, the return of Christ. He might come today. Yep. Uh, He might come tomorrow. might be centuries in the future. Whenever he comes, we have to be morally and spiritually ready. We have to live as if Jesus was returning today. And I'll tell you, Terry, the best way to do that is to live uh, with Jesus as the center of your life right now. And then when he returns, it'll just be more of the same. Absolutely. And if I might just jump in, I want sure. you to continue. But I always say this to myself and to others, that Jesus is coming most likely, at, history shows, that at the time of that person's death, that's when he meets Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're at the end of the liturgical year, and we're coming with these readings to talk about the, the second coming. And it's great, but I tell people, man, live in the state of grace, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, most likely we don't know the day or the hour when he comes, but also we don't know the day or the hour when God calls us home in this from this uh, earth. That's right. I, my very first public talk for St. Joseph Communications, what I, was I gave a presentation on the Apostles' Creed. Oh, good. And we had a little Q&A session the way uh, you do. Sure. And uh, somebody asked about the latest... Um, end-of-the-world scenario that was going around at the time. This is 25, yeah. 26 years ago. And, and uh, I said, I don't know. I don't know when Jesus is coming. I don't know when the world's going to come to an end. I said, my concern is that my world might come to an end exactly. tonight. You know, I could get hit by a bus on That's the way right. home. That's right. <laughs> you know, so you need to be ready to meet Jesus is, is the point. Anyway, um, you, you mentioned this, this very enigmatic final verse. Yes. Right? Uh, yes. The apostles say, where, Lord? And he says, where the body is there, also the vultures will gather. What, what is he talking about? Yeah. Um, you know, if uh, tiebreaker for me, I always go to the, to the um, Vulgate. Yeah, you know? sure. And actually, Jerome translated it, eagles, where the body is, right. the eagles, eagles That's right. Um, and I thought, well, that's, that's different from vulture, yes. very clearly. Predator. But, um, but as it turns out, though, eagles lead anything. Eagles are carrion birds mm-hmm. as well as, as predator birds. Yes. And, and some early church people said, oh, look, the, the body is the body of Christ, right? It's the church or, or, or it's the Eucharist and, and the eagles. That's the Roman Empire, you know, and, uh, or maybe that's, that's pagan Rome. <clears throat> and as it turns out, 
I, the, the simplest explanation for this is that it was a, a proverb at the time. Where the, vul- where the body is there, the vultures will gather. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because he's using what was actually, it's, it's b- foreign to us, but I, apparently it was uh, a common uh, saying in his time. And the idea is, if you see one carrion bird, you see one eagle, you see one vulture in the sky, it doesn't mean much. But when a lot of them are gathered together... Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, so, and so it is with the coming of the Son of Man. When, when, there, when the signs start to accumulate... Right. That's when you that's when you get concerned. Well said. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. Matt, this is a a very short statement by Bishop Sheen, but a book could be written on it. (laughs) Here's what he says. Pride is the child of ignorance. Mm. Humility, the offspring of knowledge. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Give me your thoughts, because I, I have you. I don't usually have you here. Well, you mentioned saints. Um, I did. Uh, you know that my favorite is St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Yes. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said there are three important elements of the spiritual life, mm-hmm. and they are humility, humility, and humility. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> I, I, I knew it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it is so absolutely true. It is. You know, the, the entirety of our life, when you talk about submitting your intellect and will, that's, that's, that's difficult to do. Absolutely. You're not surrendering no. your intellect and will like, like, like to, you know, uh, you're giving yourself over to a hypnotist. Yeah. But you, but you submit. You say, I will do it your way and not my way because your way is, is you know, the right way because you're God and can't deceive uh, or be deceived. So if God says you should do it this way, you know, how, why is it, Terry, that we have such a struggle? Why is it so hard for us to just do what God wanted us to do? All the way back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. How hard was it? There's one rule. And it's interesting to note that in the Garden, that one rule was obedience. Amen. I was, that was the only rule. Just, yep. just, you know, do whatever you want, just not this one thing. And you see how it grows. Then after that, now there's Ten Commandments. And we can't handle a Ten Commandments, so now there's, you know, the Deuteronomic Law and the Levitical Law. And, and it's the same thing in, in society. Yeah. You know, if, if people can't follow the big laws, you don't get fewer laws, you get a million little ones. Exactly. You know, to the point where we have, uh, I think, the, the penal code of the, <laughs> uh, the federal code has tens of thousands of laws. There is no one person on this earth who is conversant with all the civil laws in this country. Wow. You know, when you think about that, it's scary because chances are if they, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if they're coming to get you, chances are you're breaking the law and you don't even know it. Exactly. (laughs) Wow. Matt, one little quick note about humility. I remember the uh, Socrates said in 325 AD or BC, BC, if I'm smart, it's because I know I know nothing. I'm still learning. And that's why uh, when we know the meaning and purpose of life, humility comes in because it's the truth about life. And that's what makes us realize we're not God. And right now the world is living like they want to be God and that they can make up things as, as if they were God. That's not the case. We're going to come right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. I hear that I have my good friend Virginia on the line from the sisters that we've talked about over the years, uh, Trinitarians of Mary who live in 
West Covina, California. They're a great order of nuns. Mother Lily's the founder. Uh, and I know they have a big fundraiser coming up. I'm going to be there for that. Uh, I've got two tickets for my wife and I, and I want to welcome Virginia to the Terry and Jesse show. Hey, good morning, Terry. How uh, are you? Great, Virginia. I want you to tell our listeners how they can help the sisters with this big fundraiser that's coming up. Well, this is going to be really exciting. We have an upcoming Christmas gala concert and dinner on Saturday, December the 10th. Yes. And we're raising money for the Trinitarians for the poor. Good. Um, it's going to be a great evening. Uh, it's being sponsored by the 5013C Friends of the Trinitarians. Awesome. In honor of Carol Diaz, who passed away, and, mm-hmm. and her greatest gift was giving to the poor. Great. So we have limited seating mm-hmm. um, and love to have everybody come. And how can they get those possible. tickets, Virginia? Let me give you the telephone number, the best number to call. Okay. Is 626-612-6367. Okay, that's 626-612-6367. Is that correct? Yes. All right, yes. Virginia. Well, we're glad to help support those sisters. They're, they pray before the well, Blessed Sacrament constantly, folks. This is These girls are the real deal. Oh, they are. Oh, they are. I, I When I met the sisters 30 years ago, mm-hmm. I never stopped going. Uh, because they're awesome. Well, that's great. Well, well, we appreciate you taking the time and your schedule to call and talk about this and how they can support the sisters December 10th. As also, they're going to be a mass there, I understand, at 5 o'clock. And if people call... Mass is at 5 o'clock. Yes. And so if people call the 626-612-6367, they can get tickets. And I hope to see all our listeners there, at least the ones that are in Southern California. Okay, Virginia? Oh, you know what? It's going to be an awesome evening. Amen. I mean, it is a fundraiser, but I'm going to tell you, the concerts is Oh, awesome. they be- awesome. Those sisters are like angels. When they sing, you think you died and went oh, to heaven. My- <laughs> oh, my gosh. This, yep. They're wonderful. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, again, Thank I want to... Our pleasure. God love you, Virginia. See you then. Take care. All right. You, you too. Bet. God bless you. you. Thank God you for you. all you do. Our pleasure. I love supporting a cloister nuns and sisters who are living out that vow. And they're praying for us here at Virgin Most Powerful. They pray for all of the world, for the conversion to Christ. It's just really very moving to, to meet these sisters. And I know you would really value that time with them on the 10th of December. All right, Matthew, today is the 11th of November. And I wanted to talk about the saint of the day, St. Martin of Tours. He, uh, he was born to pagan parents of modern-day Hungary, way back in 316. Well, that was a long oh, time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a soldier before he was baptized. He was consecrated the Bishop of Tours, where he sent missionaries to evangelize Gaul and to educate the clergy. What a great idea. <laughs> he was. I'm being a little facetious. Yeah, I know. He was noted for his opposition to the practice of executing heretics. Uh, his feast is uh, popularly called Maritime Mass. Okay, I didn't know that. That one I didn't get. Mm-hmm. But you know, Matt, it kind of ties into the saints of the day and how we look to the saints as examples in our lives, especially in crazy times. And there's a military chaplain. Father Vincent Capano, he lived an inspirational life. I read a book on him years ago because 
he was from the Wichita Diocese. Mm-hmm. And we had our family conferences out there. Right. So beginning his priestly ministry as a married old missionary, he became a Navy chaplain and shortly after the Vietnam War broke out, served side by side in combat with the Marines and the infantrymen. Now, he was killed in action September 4th, 1967. Are you ready for this, Matt? Shielding a wounded Marine from machine gun fire. Mm. Matt, didn't somebody say something like that in our Lord about no greater love? Something, what was that one, Matt? Yeah, right. Greater love has no... <laughs> you got Matt, it. Laid down his life for his friend. And that's what he did. And I love the story. I'll just share one little anecdote with the story where there was a man he was, you know, working with on his Catholic faith. And what had happened was the man um, basically wasn't living a sacramental life. He was living with a woman. Mm-hmm. And he was in the Marines, and Father told him that, uh, you know, you need to get back and do it right and get married. And if I get back out of this war, and you, well, that's the first thing we'll do is, we'll, well, I'll, I'll do the marriage for you. Mm-hmm. Well, six months into the war, Father's dying because uh, he's um, very, very sick. And that one soldier comes to him, and he's talking to him. So, Father, you can't die now. He says, let me tell you something. I am dying, but that's okay. But you better get your act together when you get back, because you are going back. And you marry that girl and do it the right way, because if you don't, I'm going to kick your you-know-what from heaven. (laughs) That's what the saint said, Matt. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's amazing. But, you know, talking about saints, I know, Matt— well, Hey, you, b- before we go yeah. on, by the way, just speaking yeah. of which, I, uh, I consider myself, and I know you do, Terry, yeah. as, as a subject of the kingdom of God. Of course. But we absolutely have dual citizenship. We are all citizens dual of the United citizenship. States of yep. America. And today is was the— Memorial Day. Yeah. Yes, well, it was the Armistice, and now so it's Veterans Day. Veterans Day, yep. Today. And so I do want to uh, give a shout-out— to all of the uh, absolutely, yeah, all the military, all the men who, yes. women who served, and those who are on active duty. I got a son, master sergeant, good uh, in uh, the army, you know, combat medic, and so uh, you know, my dad was a soldier, and that's uh, great. Again, want to give let you know that our 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 thoughts and our prayers are with all our military past absolutely. and present today. Very important, very very important. Like I. Matt and I are similar age, so we both have fathers who fought world, during World War II. And that what's interesting, my son was a combat medic also, which is kind of <laughs> ironic that we're here talking yeah. about that. But yes, all of the military, we need to thank them for their service to this country. Matt, talking about saints, because this is the theme of the, the show is that the world has gone crazy. And, and so it has. And yeah. so it has. And we need to be looking to holy men and women who have had... Similar life experiences of, let's just say, scandal, let's say, of the world going in the wrong direction, where they're walking away from Christ. It seems like uh, that's happened before. And uh, who is your favorite saint to share with our listeners, Matthew? Well, again, you know you know that my—I my, uh, I love all the saints, yes, but uh, Ber- Bernard of Clairvaux is, yep. is, a, is a special friend. I consider him a spiritual friend Good. Uh, even and a mentor, even mm-hmm. though he lived many centuries before me. And also— it, it was Bernard's spirituality was extremely influential. Uh, I don't think that really any uh, Catholic after his time, you know, uh, can say that they weren't influenced by him, if, if not directly, then by the influence that he had on others. 
right? right. I mean, he, he was uh, around in the 11th century, so he's prior to the scholastics. But he had, I know that there was a great deal of, uh, in Thomas Aquinas that was mm-hmm. uh, um, inspired by Bernard of Clairvaux. Oh, I know yeah. that he had a lot of spirit, St. Gertrude the Great, a spiritual friend of his during his lifetime and so forth. A lot of people, uh, uh, important people in the church. And of course, uh, he preached the Second Crusade. He, he wrote the Rule of Life for the Knights Templar. He, wow. he uh, um, combated heresy. He uh, was an advisor for kings and popes. But I think one of the, the ways that he's had the greatest influence on my life, it's two things. One is the, the Steps of Humility, which was his great spiritual treatise. You know, the, the Cistercians, he was a Cistercian monk, and they're part of the Benedictine family. And St. Benedict wrote a treatise called The Steps of Pride. Ah. And he shows how in 12 steps, isn't that interesting? In 12 <laughs> steps, you can take a holy monk and he can fall bit by bit by bit to the depths of degradation. Wow. Now, uh, St. Bernard came along and he wrote what he calls The Steps of Humility, whereby someone in the depths of degradation can step by step rise to yes. a, a state of holiness. Great idea. And of course, that's, yeah, that's... Uh, super valuable oh, yeah. to us. And it was really, really influential on a fellow who is not a saint, and I think that's a cry and shame. I think he is a saint. Who's that? Uh, he's not been canonized. That would be Thomas Akempis. Oh, yes. Who wrote I, The Imitation of Christ. But Matt, I want to get into this. I want you to continue on this because there's an interesting thing about Thomas Akempis that, you know, The Imitation of Christ, classic book, you know, I think it's the second most read book in the entire world world of Christianity. Right, after the Bible. After the Bible, as it should be. But I want to also, and this is my teaser for when we come back, tell us why you think he wasn't canonized, because the the answer is pretty... (laughs) Well, I don't don't know the the exact... I've read. But I've I've read that it was because uh, that when his body was disinterred, that he'd been buried alive. Yes! And they found that he tried to, you know, uh, scratch his way out of the coffin. Right. And therefore they're saying that, you know, that was... Um, you know, that I don't know what, what, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, I would have tried to dig. I would have done the same thing, man. (laughs) I don't know know that I would have been perfectly peacefully resigned to my, my uh, death by burial, uh, you know, premature burial. Uh, But I know that that was, yeah, that was listed. uh, That's commonly listed as the uh, the impediment against his uh, canonization. Well, what's crazy about it, Terry? Tell me, tell me. um, St. John Paul II. Yes. Uh, John Paul the Great, so many. Yes. Uh, uh, a great pope. There's no question, a, a great man, a oh, yeah. man of his century. I mean, one of the greatest of the 20th century uh, in, in many ways. And, and certainly, <laughs> like I was saying about the, uh, the code of, of law for the, you know, the federal uh, law codes, it's, it's kind of also like the writings of John Paul II. I don't think there's any one person that's ever got their head quite around all of it. Right. Because I, I don't forget somebody once said, I think if you were to print out all of uh, John Paul's writings, it would take up like some 15 or 20 linear shelf space, you know. (laughs) He was was prolific, let's say it that way. Yes. But as you know, he also made uh, uh, the, the, he simplified the process of canonization. He did. And he actually canonized, if I'm not uh, mistaken, more saints during his pontificate than uh, previously all the way back to Peter. Yes, that's correct. Well, actually, it's all the way back to Galgano. He was the first uh, uh, canonized saint back in the 1100s. But, um, you know, and because of that, I, you know, it's, it seems to me that they would maybe reopen his cause. Maybe they could rethink Thomas Akempis. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> well, when you think about the 
content that he's given the church well, over the centuries. And think about uh, Teresa of Lisieux was yeah. named a doctor of the church, and her primary influence was? The, the imitation oh, of Christ. That's right. I mean, that, that says it all. I mean, that, that's a slam dunk for me. Uh, <laughs> but you know what, Matt? Last time I looked, I don't think I'm going to be the pope. No, and, yeah, or, nor right. you. Uh, yeah, no, no one has consulted me no. at this point. So, <laughs> but, but you know why, why I'm bringing all this up, everyone who's listening, is because we have to look to the saints right now because we're living in difficult times where the world has gone mad. And even right. people in the church, we, got, we talk about this a lot. Uh, and you know, one of the things I want to bring up is when we come back is a spiritual bouquet. What is that? Why do we want to pray spiritual bouquets for our leaders in our church? And how is that effective in helping them, you know, bring forth the teachings of Christ? And much, much more when we come back yeah. on the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess. I always say I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse's out of town this weekend, and Matt Arnold is sitting in, and we're talking about that the world has gone mad and that we need to look to the holy men and women we call the saints to give us answers uh, to how to uh, accomplish our holiness in our life. And one of the things I wanted to bring up from the, the last break that we just took, was, and that is spiritual bouquets. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring this up, Matt, I have in my hand a little folder here that says 48 holy masses were offered up for you. What? Um, 15 chaplets of divine mercy. 18 days of fasting were offered up for you. 33 days of, uh, of more of uh, visits to the Blessed Sacrament. All these, all these things that these people did. Now, who, who were they? Well, when we started the uh, Lighthouse Catholic Media, all the reps wanted to, um, they wanted to pray for their leaders, and I was one of the leaders of Lighthouse. So when we would go to our annual meetings, they would give me this. And I was so moved by it that they would take their time to offer their masses, their visits to the Blessed Sacrament, their prayers mm -hmm. for the success of the work. And I think that really did pay off. And why do I bring it up now? Because I can, I'm convinced that here at Terry and Jesse and Virgin Most Powerful, we talk about a lot of controversial things in the church. I mean, things that, you know, you scratch your head and you say, I can't believe a prelate is saying that. That's not what the church teaches. And, you know, you scratch your head, well, do I speak up? Well, yes. And I'm going to give you why you speak up from St. Thomas Aquinas, a universal doctor of the church, mm -hmm. and then encourage all of us that when we do criticize anybody, whether it's a layman, whether it's a priest, bishop, cardinal, pope, that we send a spiritual bouquet saying that I'm praying for you. And the reason is, is because we don't do this to be vindictive about why we're criticizing right. We're doing this for the salvation of souls. I mean, canon law, Matt, as you know, the last canon says everything the church does and should be doing is for the salvation of souls. So here's what St. Thomas has to say about this. In his comments on the uh, sentences of Peter Lombard, 
uh, and this is a uh, episode of St. Paul ad- admonishing St. Peter, he teaches that to correct a prelate who sins is a work of mercy. What? Hmm. A work of mercy? In fact, the higher the prelate's position, the greater the merit of the one who corrects. Thomas Aquinas teaches this. I'm like, wow, how does that apply to us today? Well, it does. Hang on. Ecclesiastics 17.12 says that God imposes duties towards his neighbor on each one. Now, a prelate is our neighbor. Therefore, we must correct him when he sins. Well, when he teaches something that he made a promise when he was ordained to be a Catholic priest and then reaffirmed as a bishop, and he's not teaching that, objectively, that's a sin. Now, some say fraternal correction does not extend to prelates either because a man should not raise his voice against heaven or because the prelates are easily scandalized if corrected by their subjects. Thomas teaches, however, this does not happen since when they sin, prelates do not represent heaven. Oh my goodness! Well, yeah, that's that's, that's so strong. Logical. It's so logical. I mean, yeah, it is. It's 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 uh, bold. It's very bold. So I'll repeat it. However, this does not happen since when they sin, prelates do not represent heaven, and therefore must be corrected. And those who correct them charitably do not raise their voice against them, but in their favor, since the admon- admonishment is for their own sake. That's how you love someone. That's right. That's right. That's what I, uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand, who uh, Pius XII uh, considered to be a oh. 20th century doctor of the church, he yep. called him. Uh, he said the same thing. He said, you know, when a bishop um, you know, yields to pluralism mm-hmm. in some manner, that they're not, you know, they're not representing uh, heaven. I like the, the way Thomas Aquinas puts it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, their ordinances and so forth, you know, they, they need to be questioned. They need to be criticized as an act of charity Amen. toward the bishop. He says, for this reason, the precept of fraternal correction extends also to prelates that they may be corrected by their subjects. Now, if an inferior he uh, be he a priest or a layman can correct a prelate, a layman can can likewise correct a priest. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. In another passage, St. Thomas straightforwardly upholds the principle that the faithful can question and admonish prelates. And here's where he says, there being an imminent danger of the faith. That's yeah. a great statement. So if, if someone's not going to be scandalized, let's say, let's just make an example. Let's say a high prelate said, abortion is okay now, or homosexuality is okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that example actually happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I'm, I know, man. I'm, this is the entertaining <laughs> part. Are you kidding me? Yes, yeah, they've said that. We've yep. talked about that. He says, thus, St. Paul, who was subject to St. Peter, Question him publicly on the account of an imminent danger or scandal in the matter of faith. This is critical. Mm-hmm. <coughs> a matter. Now remember, of, this was a matter that that the uh, situation with uh, Saints Peter and Paul. It yeah. was a matter of discipline. That's right. Minor compared to what is today. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. And as the gloss of Saint Augustine states, <clears throat> Saint Peter himself gave the example to those who govern, so that it, if they should stray from the right path. They will not reject a correction or unworthy, even if it comes from their subjects. You know where that comes from, too, Matt? Humility. Humility, I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, humility, we're just humility, talking about humility, that. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine 
And this happens, I have actually had this, I, I'm going to use the analogy, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm a, I'm a dad, you're a dad. Mm -hmm. I have actually had my adult son correct me. Oh, it's happened, sure. Yeah. And you know what? I said, you're right, because he was right. And at, <laughs> and, and at first... <laughs> and I'll bet you somewhere deep down made you proud of yourself, didn't uh, you? Yeah, well, I, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to handle that one, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> yeah. So I can appreciate a bishop, a priest, even the pope. Sure. Being corrected and saying, well, you know what? Um, you're right. I, I need to confirm you in the faith. You're right. That, that is my role, not to scandalize you, but to confirm you in the faith. So I'm only bringing this St. Thomas Aquinas up because he is a doctor of the church, universal you know, doctor. I mean, he's right. what everybody should be looking at when it comes to right thought process, a Thomistic approach. Mm -hmm. And uh, I bring this up because the spiritual uh, bouquets go right together. I and mean, Thomas didn't talk about the spiritual bouquets, I don't think. Uh, maybe he does later in the Summa. But my big point for today is when we criticize, are we also praying and offering sacrifices for right. that prelate? That's the question I have. That's it, because, yeah, the virtue of love is to will the good of the other. So Thomas and clearly, yeah, if, if a bishop is going off course, it is an act of charity to admonish or, or correct, simply because you, yeah, you want him to go to heaven as, as much as he wants you to go to heaven, Absolutely. I hope. Absolutely. We want everybody. You know what, Matt? That's the thing that just yesterday when I, I made a comment uh, about how Christianity is so different from other religions mm -hmm. and that term forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Because if I think about this, you know, just, just um, oh, I guess it was just last, well, it's last month now, but the Iraqi archbishop was visiting um, a Muslim country. It was in Indonesia, where it's a huge country of Muslims. Mm -hmm. And they had this meeting, and the bishop was saying to the Muslims, we forgive those who murder us. But he says... We need to call an end to this Islamic, Islamic violence. And he called the imams and the people in charge of the meeting. Said, you need to tell your people this is not acceptable. Right. And I think that that's the difference between Islam, one of them, is that they don't understand forgiveness. Jewish, in the Jewish religion, forgiveness is not what we as Christians cover. And so I think that is unique. And that comes back down to humility on that also. It seems like... Like you said, humility, humility, humility. Yeah, so no, no matter where you go, you, you come back to that before you're done. Um, I Great example, Pope Eugenius, oh, yeah. Pope Eugene III. Uh, he was a Cistercian mm -hmm. and a spiritual son of Bernard of Clairvaux. He, wow. He became Pope, and he wrote to St. Bernard and said, would you you know write me a, a treatise on, on how to be a good Pope? <laughs> and it's called De Consideratione, uh, The Consideration. It's a very f famous uh, work, and I... And I I wish it would be required reading for every man that becomes Pope. Yes. <laughs> they should start with that. But the point is that, you know, he's going, well, Bernard says, well, you know, it's very, he was very humble about it. And, and he said, you know, you're, you're now my father. Yes. Because you're the Pope, and I'm in, a, in obedience to you. I'm writing this not because of any, you know, great talent of mine or whatever. And then he, he took the, the head, you know, of the church, he's gone, you, know, you may have not done this yet, but if you're tempted to, don't. <laughs> you know, he was, his teaching is very clear, you know, and, and, and a lot of it uh, almost has the, the ring of admonishment in it. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, he was not afraid to do that because the important thing, of course, is 
the salvation of souls. That's salus animarum supreme elects. That's the most important thing. It's the supreme law of the church. Because, um, what is it that Fulton Sheen would say? If souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. And there you have it. Amazing. Matt, this is incredible. That's why I keep saying this theme for today is that the world's gone crazy. We've got to look to the saints, the holy men and women that have been canonized in our church and who have actually uh, given us the uh, fruits of what they've meditated on in their lives. And uh, I want to talk more about uh, your favorite saint when we come back <laughs> and how he was in, what kind of environment he was in, because scandal was happening in the uh, 14th, 15th century, uh, just like a scandal is going on now. Sure. And we can talk about that. And I want to just make one more pitch, too, for those who would like to donate money to Virgin Most Powerful. We're, we're challenged right now. We would like to get a little extra funds in. We've had a significant amount of loss last month in revenue. And if people would like to join us, go to vmpr.org. You submit your maybe $25 or more a month. You're going to get tons of video uh, recordings downloaded to you, but you're supporting us and paying our monthly bills. Or if you want to call me at 661-972-7872, I'd love to chat with you. If you have questions on the faith, like make a donation, awesome. We're going to come right back with more of the saints and how what they can teach us today in 2023. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse's not here. Matt Arnold's sitting in. <laughs> And I can see my faithful bride through the uh, window of the studio. The Bible with the Barbers will be starting up at the uh, beginning of the next segment. If you do not have VMPR's um, app, you can get it on our website. You can listen to the Bible with the Barbers and all of our other shows that we have on the air. Matt, I was pointing out today in this hour, I asked you to come on and talk about uh, the saints and how they have helped us over the centuries. People have always looked to the saints as models and role models. And I would like you to tell us a bit about St. Saint Claveau. Uh, and he, what year did he live in and what were the circumstances and how has his life affected the church today with an answer for fidelity to Christ? Right. Well, he, you know, he lived at the end of the 11th century. 11th century. Right. So, um, and the beginning of the 12th century. So mm -hmm. he was the one that preached the, the Second Crusade. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, in the, the 1180s, I guess. So it must have been the early 12th century that he lived. And, you know, he was um, part of the Cistercian Order, which was a, um, you know, it was a revival of the original spirit of the Benedictine, a very strict rule. They went, they gave them a, a, this place in France that was called Absinthe, which means wormwood. It was like a swamp. And, you know, he and his men, here, you build your, your monastery here. And because of the work that they did, within a very few years, not only did they build this beautiful monastery, but they transformed the whole valley, and it became known as Clairvaux, which means bright valley or valley wow. light, right? So there was a physical transformation uh, of the valley along with their, their own spiritual transformation. I think that's why Bernard was, you know, he was a great lover of nature because he found it... Um, easy to contemplate God when he was out in creation. Mm -hmm. Like you said, my, my 
only masters were the were the beaches and the oaks. Ah. What I learned, I learned from the rocks and the streams. You know? Incredible. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. He wasn't, he wasn't any kind of pantheist, obviously, but right. it's, you know, just that solitude. Yes. You're talking about that. You need to, you need to be able. And this is probably the big thing. You say the world is crazy. You know what the problem is? Mm-hmm. People can't be alone with themselves. Oh yeah, silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they abhor silence the way nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah. Because it's when you're silent, you know, you were talking, we were talking about doing a thing on the centrality of Christ, you and I. And uh, I remember uh, the next day I I woke up and I said my morning prayers and I'm saying, Lord, you know, Terry wants to talk about the centrality of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, what, you know, what should I say? What is it? And, you know, I think the Lord speaks to me the way he spoke to Bernard, uh, primarily through the scriptures and through other events in life and through other people. Uh, But sometimes... You really get the feeling, you know, interiorly, because I said, you know, how, what do I say about, you know, having you as the center of life? He said this, because, you know, the, my, my instinct when you see, ask me that question was to ask Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. And, and that's what it is. It's about, it's about turning to him. It's yeah. about having, you know, I mean, I think so many of us equate this with our evangelical brothers and sisters, but having a personal relationship with Christ. Right. You know, and, and unfortunately, there there are many Catholics who who don't have that. I mean, they they feel uncomfortable even saying the name of Jesus. That's true. You know, uh, intimidated by the culture, or maybe because their their own faith is more cultural than it is personal. Right. But it's really important. And that was the, the centrality of Christ. That was Bernard's. Um, That's awesome. That was the big thing. And you know, you, you talked about scandal. He uh, went toe to toe with a lot of people in debate and whatnot. He was very much sought after for that because he was such a clear thinker. Um, and one of the things he, he was called upon to, to talk to Peter of Abelard, who was a, uh, um, he had written a, a treatise on the Trinity that was deemed heretical okay. and he wanted to defend it. And so they sent him up against Bernard of Clairvaux. <laughs> and after Bernard talked, he said, you know, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, cute. but the thing is though, in his personal life, he, it was, a, it was a great scandal. He, uh, was a monk. And, and, and a theologian and, you know, well-respected. And there was a, a nun who was also a philosopher and a writer. And, and well, her name was Heloise. And the two of them had a, a, a secret affair and wound up and had a, a child together. Oh, no. You know? So, so it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes. Right? I mean, it's yeah. like the, the, the scandal and in, in not only the church changed. but in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why the, the, there were kings and princes who would say, come, I have this problem. Come and advise me with right. this. Because... Of his closeness to Christ, got it, and and that's what it is. And you know, uh, you can see his teaching in in the um, the imitation. Uh, not only is Christ always the answer, and that's what I love about the imitation of Christ is that uh, it's a book of solutions. Yes, it doesn't just say, "Oh, here's all these problems. Isn't that terrible?" It says, "No, you know, like uh, chapter twenty two of um, book one is on the consideration of human misery." Mm. Right, which is and what a what a fruitful meditation for yeah. today, Terry. Yeah. And, but he says, you know, who is there that gets their own way all the time? Mm-hmm. You nope. know, it's, it's not you. Nope. It's not me. Nope. And, and he says, it's not anybody. There is no one in this world, whether he's a king or the pope, right? You know, who is without troubles and difficulties. But what's the solution? He says, who's best off? That was his question. Great question. Who is the best off? He says, only the one who is willing to suffer something for Christ. Wow. That's so beautiful. And that's what it is. When Jesus says you have to pick up your cross, and I think that's one of the reasons that people are concerned about having that personal relationship with, 
with Christ. Oh, if I do that, then I have to pick up the cross. Mm. But they don't understand that the cross is the way to peace and joy and victory. Yes, well said. You know, Matt, when I'm listening to you and I'm thinking uh, of what Our Lady at Fatima said regarding suffering and that she really just echoed what the church has taught for thousands of years and that we would reunite our suffering with the sufferings of Christ Mm -hmm. to help redeem the world. And she made it real simple for us. And I love what she said about daily duty. Do your daily duty. In other words, if you're a father with wife and family, mm-hmm. you get up, you say your prayers, you do your work, you go to do go to work, you what you know, you do what you you can you serve your wife and family, and there's holiness in doing your daily duty. Amen. Amen. That to me uh, is an answer in a world today that. You know, I got this little report in my hands that shows 42% of the Generation Z, you know, have mental health conditions. Uh, 55% of them are on psychiatric uh, medication. Uh, There's um, more than two out of five, 68 million people that are Generation Zs have, uh, you know, basically uh, 68 million mentally health conditions. So... Why do I say this? Because the world's a desperate in need of Christ more than ever. It's, you know, the, I think the biggest issue... Tell me. Uh, I, I, and, well, you talked about pride in the very first I did. segment. Uh, there's something that goes hand in hand with that, and that's envy. Oh, that yeah, pe- there you People go. look and they say, well, how come I don't have all these things? You know, I, there's that whole fantasy projection that is the social media. Yes. Well, this person is, they're, they're so well off. They have so many good things. You know, they, they hold this good position in life. How come I can't have that? Right. And if you had that relationship with Christ, you would look for the rewards of heaven and see how little those early earthly things really matter, mm-hmm. how little they count in, in reality and how they become a burden. Yeah. Because you know what? They're, those things are easily lost. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you, you think sometimes it's like, you know, uh, somebody says, well, I, I have the most to lose. And it's like, well, that's, just, that's only because you have the most. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Right? And, and, and so it is. It's about, it's about putting our eyes on what really matters. Yeah. And then those other things don't matter so much. It doesn't matter. You know, Terry, I am in the, the lay apostolate. Yep. And you think there are people that know more about the Bible than me, people who know more about theology than me, people who are better catechists? Of course there are. And if, if, if that's a fact, if it's a discernible fact to me that there, why would I take pride in myself when there are so many people in my own field yeah. <laughs> you know, who are superior to me? What do I have? You know, who's best off? The one who's willing to suffer for Christ. Yeah. And that's what Our Lady said, that she said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them. So we all have friends or relatives they're away from the church. That's right. So here's the kick. Here's the beautiful teaching of the Catholic faith, that we can be links in the chain in helping them come back to Christ hmm. through our actions, through a holy life, through our prayers and sacrifices. I just think that's revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, who else is going to come up with that? I, right. I <laughs> give me a break. I'll tell you what, Terry. When I went to that, when I went to RCIA, yeah. however long ago, yeah. I had no intention of becoming Catholic. I see. You know, I was I was doing it for my wife. I was doing it because we got married in the church and our kids yeah. came along and they were going to get uh, sure. their sacraments and I needed to yeah, be there. To be there for them. But I had no idea. I was I, I was absolutely shocked 
by you know the, the wow. presentation of the full gospel message. I, wow. I got hit between the eyes so, by the Holy Spirit. So it's the truth that sets us free. Precisely. And here's the kicker. We're out just a I minute. Can, I, well, I can tell you that. Tell me. <laughs> I was absolutely convinced by by the end of that, that that no human being made this religion up. Oh yeah. You know, nobody nobody would in their right mind <laughs> would make up a religion like this. And, you know, it, it it's so it is so countercultural to to human nature. This gives me an opportunity to give uh, Father Robert Spitzer's book, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. It's a defense of her controversial moral teachings from mm. Ignatius Press. On Monday, I'm going to have Ignatius Press join me to talk about the oh, things that good. they publish. But this book deals with all the modern issues, whether it's same so- so-called same-sex marriage or um, uh, uh, divorce, contraception, all these issues. And Father does a magnificent job. I'm not through the book yet, but I started it, and I just think... If people knew their faith and they had the the truth of the gospel in, and it could be in a way that shows them the beauty of living out that faith, I think we'd have more people in the church. I just think there's a lot of ignorance out in the church and in the world today. I agree. And, and it's not it's not just education, as I've, I've been saying for years. It's about formation. Apps, formation, yeah. yeah. And, you know, without, without that, you can, you can know everything there is to know about the Bible and not believe in God. You right. Know? Uh, you, you you really have to have that relationship. You have to have that relationship with grace. You know th- that's that's ultimately it. When we when we're baptized, the the Holy Spirit yep. comes into us. That's the, yes. that's what the state of grace is, Terry. Is that the, is that God is uh, you know alive in you, and and when you realize that, it changes everything. Or at least yep. it should. You know, oh, of I mean, course. There are, there are far too many times when it doesn't change everything to me. That's why I keep going to confession. That's why I take every <laughs> single day, Matthew, you and I are asking Jesus Christ for more faith. Amen. If we're not asking, the faith's not going to be there. That's how it works, folks. Right, because he gives it out of his own pure goodness. It, it, that's how you nailed it. That was good. <laughs> he took that right out of the catechism. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, Bible with the Barbers. I'm babysitting, but my wife will be here. And you're going to enjoy a a good catechesis, which is what we all need today in the church and in the world. I want to thank you for joining us, Matt. I love having you here. Matt, tell us just a quick note. Your show is on Wednesdays right after the Terry and Jesse show. Yep, and you can find it uh, on the Virgin Most Powerful app. Yes, on the podcast. All the podcasts. I want to ask you the question I asked Jesse. What state should we be living in, Matt? That's the state of grace, Terry. You got it. Hey, and I say it again. Our lady said it. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. This is Friday, a good day to make sacrifices for the salvation of souls. Up next at vmpr.org, the Bible with the Barbers. Thank you again for supporting us here at Virgin Coast.